0: You are listening to a new season church audio sermon prepare your heart to hear a word from god well this morning i'm going to be concluding a message uh, or a series entitled the ghost and this morning's message is entitled filled with the spirit over the last few weeks as we've been talking about the ghost or the holy spirit we covered a few things In week one, we saw how Jesus spoke to His disciples and told them that there will be another that He will send. That there will be a comforter, a counselor, a paracletos that will literally come alongside us if we were to leave. And He said that this Holy Spirit, this comforter, this counselor will be far better for us and far more beneficial for us uh, than Him, than Jesus staying on the earth in His human form. And so we looked in week two, we looked at the power of the Holy Spirit or the dunamis power, the miracle working power that is available to every single person that is in Christ, that this power through the Holy Ghost gave us hope in a hopeless world, that this power gave us the ability to experience God in, its, in his fullness. And last week we looked at the gifts of the Spirit and we looked at two main categories, the manifestation gifts and the motivational gifts and how these different gifts inform in many ways what God has called us to do and how these gifts are ultimately tools in a toolbox that God gives us to accomplish the purpose that he has for us and ultimately the the main point of these gifts is to firstly make a difference in our world and so this morning I'm going to be concluding this series and I want to talk about the spirit-filled life. So what does it mean to live a spirit-filled life? What does it mean to be filled with the spirit? Does it mean that you are walking in miraculous power? Does it mean that you are very versed in the word? Does it mean that you are living a constant life of victory and overcoming obstacles? Yes, I believe a lot of those things are aspects of living a spirit-filled life. But I believe the greatest demonstration of someone that is living a spirit-filled life or is filled with the spirit is one that is walking and demonstrating the fruits of the spirit in their life. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants and the spirit gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires these two forces are constantly fighting each other so you're not free to carry out your good intentions in this scripture we see that there are two forces that are constantly vying for our attention or constantly trying to lead us in a certain direction we have The leading of the spirit which is the essence of god which is what uh, in essence what god wants us to do and then we have the sinful nature or the flesh and depending on which one we submit to will determine what we experience so in a way we have two volumes that are constantly working within ourselves and that are contrary to one another they are they are fighting one another and so we have the decision to make and we have the power to decide which volume is louder it's either the volume of the flesh or it's the volume of the of the spirit and depending on which volume is louder will determine really what leads us and ultimately what is produced in our life in verse 19 it says when you follow the desires of your sinful nature the results are very clear sexual immorality Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and all and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so this verse is talking about really in essence what are the fruits or the results of walking in the flesh what is uh, what are the results of walking and being led by our sinful nature of flesh nature which is contrary to God and then let me just tell you uh, it, it, the last part of that verse it talks about inheriting the kingdom of God and so a lot of times what it's what we've been taught is that if you do these things you will not be you won't go to heaven, right? So if you get involved in this kind of stuff, if you uh, if you do sin in this nature, then that disqualifies you from salvation. And I just want to tell you what we believe in and, and bring, maybe bring some correction there is that this does not disqualify you from salvation. That nothing, the word says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. That our works is not how we become righteous before God. But it does say that we want to inherit the kingdom of God. And so we, what is the kingdom of God? Well, Scripture says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So in essence, what it's saying here, look, if you're going to follow the, the, the desires of the flesh, if you're going to succumb and submit yourself to the, the, the leading of what is contrary to God, the fruit of it will be this will be bursts of anger it will be selfish ambition dissension division all of these will be the fruit of that and if you submit yourself to that you the end result will be that you will not be walking in joy you will not be walking in peace that the result of it it will be something that is contrary to the abundant life that God that Jesus came to provide for us right that God has given us the opportunity to walk in the fullness of him through Christ and the Holy Ghost and that if we submit ourselves to the force that is opposing to the spirit the result thereof will be a life that is not abundant will be a life that has no peace has no joy a love that, uh, a life that is full of struggle and no victory and so i want to encourage you this morning that your sin will never disqualify you from salvation it will not disqualify you from the love of god however our actions will still have certain consequences and now it is for us to decide what is the fruit that we want to see evident in our life what is the what are the results that we want to see And so in verse 22, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so we see these two contrasting fruits or results of what uh, we choose to submit ourselves to. If we choose to submit submit ourselves to the leading of the flesh or the sinful nature, it will produce certain kind of fruit. And if we are to submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit, it will produce a different kind of fruit. And every one of those things has a very practical implication of how we live our lives. The question is, what kind of result do we want? Because Scripture says that if we sow to the flesh thereof, we will reap destruction but if we sow to the spirit we will reap life the Zoe life the the God kind of life and so then the question becomes what kind of fruit do we want or what kind of uh, end result do we want because both will have an effect on how we experience our life in a practical way for example if you have the fruit of the spirit of self-control operating your life it will have a very powerful impact on your life you will have the discipline to control what you eat that you won't have to succumb to every single uh, food craving that you have and that will that will have an effect on your health the the, the discipline of self-control the, the fruit of self-control in your life when it comes to your finances will have a very big impact because you will be able to control or help the self-discipline of what do you spend your money on And what don't you spend your money on? You see, these things all have very practical implications in our lives. And so then the question becomes, what kind of fruit do we want in our lives? And so the next thing that we need to deal with, how we filled with the Holy Spirit. There's much debate about this, uh, about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Do we receive it when we are born again? Or do we receive the Holy Ghost when we have hands laid on us? And this is the way that I look at it, is that when we are born again, the word says that we are a new creation. So when we accept Christ as our Redeemer, as our Restorer, as the one that paid the price for uh, the punishment of our sin, our sinful nature is done away with. We are a new creation. And so there is a new spirit that is deposited within ourselves. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit does start working within our lives at the moment of our spiritual birth or accepting Christ. And so there is a deposit of the Holy Spirit, but we still need to uh, submit ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to start working in our lives. It's almost the same thing as someone that deposits certain funds into an account for you and they send you a message and say, hey, I've determined posited this certain amount in this account and this is the pin number that you can use to access the account and so the those funds are available you have access to it they are your those funds are yours to use but you still have to go up to the atm key in the code and withdraw those funds to be able to really start using them and for those funds to have an effect in your life and so it's the same thing with the holy spirit That the Holy Spirit is deposited within ourselves uh, at at our spiritual rebirth or our accepting Christ. But we still need to take a very practical uh, uh, role in it and submit and allow the Holy Spirit to start working within our lives. And so then the question then becomes, well, how do, do, do we need the laying of hands to receive the Holy Ghost or what we refer to as being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, we see that the laying of hands was a practice in the early church that they did use in order to baptize the people in the Holy Spirit or to allow the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. And we can see that in Acts 19.6, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Again, in Acts 8.17, it says, Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So we do see that, yes, laying of hands is a biblical concept and it was a biblical practice. And now the question becomes, well, do you have to have hands laid on you in order to receive the Holy Spirit? And this is what I've seen. That it's never really about the actual laying of the hands. It's about what the laying of the hands represents. That the scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God that when we ask someone to pray for us, and when someone lays hands on us, is that that is a symbol, and that is an indication of our spiritual uh, posture of receiving, that we have to be in a a place in faith to receive the Holy Spirit, or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see, I've seen people walk up, and have hands laid on them, and nothing happens. They walk away, And their life has no indication that that there's been any transformation or really that that had any effect on them. And on the contrary, I've seen people sit in a service in the pews and not have anyone lay hands on them, not have anyone pray for them, but be in a spiritual posture uh, within themselves in faith to receive what God has for them and their lives be completely transformed and changed. And so, I don't believe it's really necessarily about the hands. That ultimately, really, there is no power in hands. In the same way with communion, there's not really any power in the bread and the and, and the juice itself. But it's rather about what that represents. That when we take communion, it represents the finished work of the cross. And so, it's the same way that laying on of hands, there's nothing really... Uh, powerful in the hands in and of themselves. It's about what that represents. That when someone makes the decision to come up and be prayed for and says, look, I want to receive the, 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 the Holy Spirit or the infill of the, or the Holy Spirit or I want to, or, or I want to have the Holy Spirit work powerfully in my life, that that is an indication of their faith. And then what the laying of hands becomes is a point of contact or an outward expression of faith. the word says that without works uh, our faith is dead our faith is dead without works that really our faith is seen and is 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 shown in an outward expression so laying of hands is really an outward expression of an inward condition but we must always remember the ultimately what this whole thing is about That ultimately about us being filled with the Holy Ghost, about us walking in the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost, that that, uh, understanding and utilizing the gifts of the Holy Spirit is ultimately never really about us. That it's never really about how great and how grand we are. It's never about having our gifts on display for everyone else. It's not about making a show of the infill of the Holy Spirit that ultimately being filled with the holy ghost and operating in the gifts of the holy ghost is about what that thing represents and that is god's unconditional love and that when we walk in the spirit of god and when we operate in the gifts of the spirit what should be shown and what should be on display is the outward expression of god's love for his people 1 corinthians 13 1 to 2 though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love I am nothing and so we see Paul telling us really the what is the motivation behind the filling of the holy spirit and walking in the gifts of the holy spirit he says, look, even though you might have the gift of prophecy, even though you might have all mysteries and knowledge of the kingdom, even though you might have all the faith to remove mountains, if the motivation behind it is not love, really, at the end of the day, you're just a clanging symbol. You're just making a noise. And I don't know if you've ever heard a clanging symbol. It makes a lot of noise and it, attract, it attracts a lot of attention. But at the end of the day, all it is noise. And so if our motivation and if our uh, reason behind walking in the Spirit of God and walking in the fruit of the Spirit and, and exercising the gifts of the Spirit that God has given us, whether that be faith or healing or, or service or giving, whatever those giftings are, if the motivation behind it is not to show god's unconditional love to people if that is not an expression of god's love for his people then all we are is just the clanging symbol. we're drawing a lot of attention but at the end of the day we're just making a bunch of noise and so i want to encourage you to keep in mind that ultimately us walking in the spirit of god and the gifts of the spirit no matter how powerful we walk in them is to have the motivation of the expression of love towards people, that that we can walk powerfully and effectively in all of the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit can have a great impact on how we experience our lives. But if the motivation to desire those gifts, if the motivation to walk in those gifts is not to ultimately impact the world around us, and show God's grace and mercy and love to people, then that is the wrong motivation. Then, that, then those gifts will really never be of any real value or effect in the world around us. And so as you're sitting at home this morning, and you're saying, Look, I want to walk more powerfully in the gifts of God. I want to, I want to succumb and I want to submit myself to the leading of the Spirit. I don't want to resist them anymore. I want to pray for you this morning. And even though as a church we believe in laying out of hands. And we believe for praying for people uh, to receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. To walk uh, in their giftings. And as we pray for people uh, and lay hands on them. We believe and we trust that in that moment that they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they will open up the, the Holy Spirit to walk in their lives. Even though we believe that. We also know that the Holy Spirit is, is not subject to distance. That this morning that we can actually partner our faith, that I can partner my faith with you. And we can pray for you and, and be in agreement to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to have those gifts to the Holy Spirit start working in your life immediately. So if you're sitting at home and you said, Look, I, I want to experience the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want to submit myself to the leading of the Holy Spirit this morning. I want you to stretch out your hands uh, this morning. And we're going to use it as a point of faith, as a point of contact, uh, for for you to really unlock what God has deposited on the inside of you through the Holy Ghost. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we come to in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We, give, we, we thank you for the gifts, Father God, that have been deposited within ourselves through the Holy Ghost. And so this morning, Father, I, I pray for every single person that says, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to uh, walk in the, in the fruit of the Spirit powerfully. I want to walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit effectively. And I want that to be the expression of your love for your people. I pray for every single person this morning, right now, Father, I ask you that you will fill them with the fullness of you, that you will unlock every single gift that has been deposited within themselves, that right now there is a change and transformation happening in every single person. And that is by the Holy Spirit. Father, I ask you to do that right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that they walk away from this morning completely transformed and changed by the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. We trust that this message has blessed you. We would like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at our Yesteros campus.